Welcome back to the Wheel Take Sally podcast. This is episode 20. Uh, this is Nick McCann, your host. I'm always joined by Andy. Um, like I said, when I did the Heritage Classic episode, uh, I mentioned that I would be doing an episode with Andy, um, but that I would have to go back to school. So I wouldn't be doing like the weekly installments with Andy. But uh, I did promise that we would do another one with him. And, you know, this week's episode is going to be on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, me and Andy watched them a couple of times. I watched uh, a couple of their games during the break. And Andy has watched them uh, extensively in the past as well. So we both have a, a clear view of what this team is like. So this episode is going to be a weekly installment on the Edmonton Oilers. Um, uh, so I guess to get into things, um, do you have any notes to go over first, Andy? Or do you want to go over some of the games they had? Uh, yeah, I didn't, I don't have any notes, um, okay. more or less just thoughts, but I can start wherever. Um, I, so I did watch them, like, I can start with the week that I watched them that I thought we were going to yeah. record this episode for. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't really remember what day it was, what week it was, but they had, they were playing the stars. This is like four or five, six weeks ago. This is before Vegas's fall to where they are now. Vegas was still leading the division at the time of this. Edmonton was on the blip of a playoff position. And Dallas was right there with them, too. Um, the game they played against Dallas, they got out ahead early. And they, they essentially collapsed to let Dallas come back in like the last 10 minutes of the game, whatever it was, it was, it was a late comeback. Um, and they looked, they looked good throughout the game while they were winning, but they're one of those teams that the moment they start not looking good, something not good happens. I feel, um, it's actually been a while since I recollect this. So bear with me while we're here, but, I guess just a general notion that I got from watching that game was um, Edmonton to me, and I don't want to steal your thunder, so I don't, the comparison you made in text messages, I'm definitely going to let you make that because I think that's a great point and it's a great, it's it's a striking resemblance what you're going to share. Um, but Instead of going that route, I think what I was going to say about Edmonton is that they're just like the loose cannon team. They're the most loose cannon team out there. And they don't have much of a track record to demonstrate success. But if you just look at this team on paper, what they could do, what they could achieve with the guys they have, there's not much. The the limit is much higher than where they're performing. Um, especially as far as the postseason goes. This team is a team that when they're hot, you're hearing about it. I mean, you're seeing they, you're seeing McDavid highlight reels. You're watching the um, points leaders as Dreisaitl just climbs and climbs. Um, as well as the other guys on that team. You got They have some heftiness to them as well. They have Milan Lucic. Um, do they still have Darnell Nurse? Um, yeah, yeah, they still have nurse. 
they do. So the, he was a decent team. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say Darnell Nurse was one of the like five defensemen that got uh, absolutely paid this off season. Uh, I, I want right. to just look up his contract real quick. Yeah, I'll let you do that. I'm, I'm, I think he's I think he's one of the uh, like nine hundred <clears throat> or not nine hundred nine point like five million um, defensemen that'll be getting paid that much next season when it starts. But uh, no, I, I do agree with you. Like when things are going well, they're going well, and then when they go bad, they go bad. Right. Exactly. And an, an example of no, 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 you're you're good. An, an example to me of that was um, I have the box score of the Detroit Red the, the Detroit Red Red Wings game um, against the Oilers. This was way back. Like I said, this was over break for me, the spring break, and it was the 15th of March. So obviously, it's not too recent uh, to their uh, schedule as of now, but uh, the box score of that game. The Edmonton Oilers scored four goals in the first period, and they scored three goals within, I think, five minutes of that game. And I believe they ran Grice out of the net, and Nedeljkovic came in to relieve him. Um, and it, it was looking dominant. The Oilers looking like they were going to take over this game, and it looked like it was going to get ugly. You know, when when you have that many um, Goals scored in a very short amount of time. It's almost like the floodgates are going to open, and this could possibly be like a seven to one game, an eight to one game, you know, something like that. And so I was like, okay. The first period ended, and I'm like, all right, well, it's four one. The the Oilers are looking really good right now. I, I don't see how they can screw this up. I watched the second period, and you know, a lot, I didn't take notes during this game, but I was very observant with how uh, the Red Wings were. Detroit looked so uh, disoriented. I, I was telling Andy, I remember texting him, and, and one of the first things I noticed was the Red Wings throughout this whole game couldn't even make a tape-to-tape pass. You know, it, it was they try to exit their own zone, do a breakout mm-hmm. of their own zone, and they couldn't get, even get to the neutral zone because passes would just be sent too far ahead, too far behind, or a player would get it and then just immediately bobble it. Detroit looked very sloppy in this game. And I'm thinking, okay, like this is definitely a game that the Oilers can absolutely run away with. Mm-hmm. Second period ends, it's 4-2. And I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, good on the good on the Red Wings for having a good response in the second period, cutting the lead in half and, you know, allowing for them to, to have a chance in the third. And they did. And the third period, I think, was very telling of, of how, you know, things can go really well, but also really bad for the the Oilers, because, you know, four goals in the first period, that's really good for them. You know, they're, they're doing fantastic there. But, you know, their third period was almost a collapse. Uh, I didn't get to watch the full third period because um, um, I went to bed early. I couldn't stay up that late. So I, uh, I decided to just go to bed. But before I went to bed, I'm like, oh, man, the game probably ended. I want to see what the score is. And it turned out it was a seven to five game. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, there's no way that the Red Wings almost pulled within, you know, two goals of the Oilers at that point. And again, the Red Wings are not a, you know, impressive team. You know, they're they're out of a playoff spot. Um, they're likely to be um, eliminated from playoff contention very soon. So this is a team that the Oilers can absolutely handle with guys like McDavid, with guys like Dreisaitl. 
I'm pretty sure Dreisaitl just made, uh, he just reached his 50 goal mark and Connor McDavid was the first uh, player to reach 100 points this season. So obviously their success um, bodes well for the Oilers and it's no surprise that they're doing that well. But, you know, again, it's it's just, I feel like that team should easily handle the Red Wings and the fact that they only beat them by two, definitely a little concerning. I, I agree. Um you look at a team like uh, Carolina or a team like Florida, and when they take those losses to teams like Detroit, to teams like um, Arizona, Buffalo, it, it's it's a once in a blue moon kind of loss. Those those teams are winning a lot, and they got to win every, or they got to lose one every now and then. And as a fan of of one of those powerhouse teams, when we take losses to a team like Detroit, it doesn't really rub me the wrong way because. You know, when we're going up against the other Titans like Florida, New York Rangers, um, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, we're sinking our teeth into those games and we're really making our presence known. And those are the guys that we're going to be facing in the playoffs. So I'm not too concerned about it. But if you're a team like Edmonton and you're floating down toward the bottom of your division as like into those wild card positions, you got to look at those games against Detroit and, and those teams that are struggling. As games that are like, to your point, must pick up points. Um, you ultimately want to walk out of those games with two points in hand because you're not just breezing through the middle of the pack. You're not really handling the top of the t- uh, you know the top of the pack. Well, you can put out a lot and beat a team at the top of the pack, but if you have a week with like three or four games against elite teams the likelihood that you put wins against all four of those games is going to be low because you're going to need to exert that much more just to beat one of those teams once. So yeah, when you face Detroit as an Edmonton team, as a Nashville team, you want to put them away. You want to put those games away and you want to know basically from the start to finish, we got these two points in the bag. There's nothing to worry about. Um, And I, I was mm-hmm. going to piggyback off that too. So following the rest of the games that week that I was on break, I didn't watch the two games they had against Buffalo and um, New Jersey, but obviously those are two teams um, that are without, again, out of a, a playoff spot. I believe New Jersey today just got eliminated from uh, playoff contention. So, and you know, Buffalo is probably one of the next teams to uh, be eliminated from playoff contention. So uh, they beat Buffalo on the 17th of March, two days after the Edmonton game, six to one. So they readily handled Buffalo, which was kind of my point about Detroit. Like that's a team you should be able to beat six uh, one, especially with the first period you had when by the end of it, it was four to one. The next game they beat uh, New Jersey six to three. Again, you know, that's a team they should easily beat. But if you look at the the next week they had, they lost to Colorado in overtime, which you mentioned. Um, you got to also be able to beat the, you know, um, competitive teams, the teams that you're going to be competing against for playoff spots, um, and possibly in the playoffs themselves. So they lost to them in overtime, but at least they got a point. Dallas, though, they lost to Dallas five to three, um, and that that's a team that's chasing them, and I. They're not out of a playoff spot. Their current rating, um, their current standings, rather, they're third in the uh, Pacific Division. So they're 
they're chilling in that division. But Dallas at that point was not not necessarily a team. They were like a in the hunt team, not a playoff yeah. team. So again, you you got to be able to win those games. They did eventually uh, go on to beat Edmonton. Uh, or not, not Aaron, they didn't beat themselves. They beat uh, San Jose five to two. But then the next game against a competitive team that they are competing against, this is a division game, uh, Calgary. They, they lost to Calgary 9-5, nine to five, and you can't do that. Mm-hmm. that. That's a team that's in your division, so those are very, very important points. And to come out of those games with zero points is very bad because, um, again, you're, you're competing for a playoff spot against those teams. They're in your division. Um, and they also lost to Calgary earlier in the month. They lost them on the 7th of March, three to one. So out of four possible points uh, to Calgary, they earned zero in the month of March. Yeah. And if you look at the standings, if Calgary didn't win those games, you take four points away from them. So they'd be at 85 points. And oddly enough, Edmonton has 81. You give them four points that they would have earned against Calgary, and they're tied at 85 points mm-hmm. for the lead in the Pacific. So again, those are, those are, Examples that I think to your point that you just mentioned, um, you know, you you not only should be beating teams like Detroit, Buffalo, New Jersey, but you also got to beat teams like Colorado, Dallas and Calgary, um, you know, because those are teams that are going to be playoff teams and you're eventually going to face them in the playoffs. So it's a valid point by you that you bring up. And uh, I do and like that a, point. And here's a big thing, dude. Edmonton is in a good position right now, but. This is a difficult episode to record because the moment when I was pulse checking them, they weren't, they didn't take their trajectory into their own hands. And here at the hindsight of the event, we can look back at that and I can tell you, you know, because of what is happening in Vegas, Edmonton is the benefactor of that. And they're sort of sliding underneath the rails, I think. They, if Vegas mm-hmm. hadn't had its collapse, Edmonton would still be very tightly packed with Nashville and Dallas in the wild card positions there. And they'd still be fighting for their season. I mean, they still technically are, but they're in a much better position right now, standing wise. And I sort of, I also need to circle back quick. I did start this thought at the beginning with Edmonton being a loose cannon. While they have their woes, you know, if their goaltending solidifies and, and remains consistent and performs in the postseason, if that happens, this team could could walk away with series wins if they want. Yep. You know, I mean, just look at yeah. them on on yeah. paper. It, it's despite you know the impression and reputation we have of Edmonton, if you still if you are if you come in as a non-bias and you take their franchise name away and you just look at them on paper it's a team that could put a championship run together i mean you know mm-hmm. every team that makes the playoffs could but this one sort of sticks out more than i think their reputation um does for them yeah uh, and that's sort of what i mean by a loose cannon where you know, it's rickety. It, it, it all depend. It all comes down to how they perform in each individual series. Um, yeah. But yeah, because of their loose cannonness, that you know, lightning could strike and they could do it four series, four sets of series in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
I actually do want to circle back on a couple things real quick and then go into uh, Vegas, actually. So we mentioned Darnell Nurse, and I, we completely forgot to, to give you the breakdown of his contract. So he currently is making $5.6 million, uh, but that will end at the end of this season, and he's already signed an eight-year, $74 million contract extension, which would grant him $9,250,000 uh-huh. in cap. So nine that was quarter, his cap wow. hit that we, yeah, nine and a quarter wow. is what he would be getting after this season. Uh, um, it, at the time he signed that, he it was definitely an overpayment in my eyes. I understand um, people may think of him as the number one uh, defenseman in in, the, in Edmonton, and I, I do agree with that. But uh, you know, it, it's a lot of money to be giving somebody who's money number one. So. And the term, I don't like these eight-year, eight you know. 64 million dollars or 70 million dollars there it's way too much of a commitment because if we look at his age um i believe he's what is he here he is he was born in 95 he is 27 27 yeah he's 27 years old so that that contract will expire when he's uh 35 yeah 35 so I mean, like you're you're gonna be paying a 35 year old nine and a quarter million dollars, who probably won't be putting up the numbers or the performance that he is now. Not so, only that, but you could be trying to trade that contract too, and that's almost a bigger headache. Yes. Trying to find so, teams that will absorb that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, well, I, I'll mention that just because I know we mentioned it earlier and forgot to give his cap hit. Um, And then to your point about Vegas, you are absolutely correct at the collapse, that if Vegas didn't have a collapse right now, they would likely um, be in their spot uh, third in the Pacific because Vegas, after their collapse and everything and how they were struggling recently, is only three points behind Edmonton. Uh, They have 78 points, whereas Edmonton only has 81. I mean, if they just... It's the games in hand, though. The teams ahead of them. Yeah, but they only have one game. Oh, okay. Vegas has played 69 nice, and Edmonton's only played 68. So they they only have a game in hand. And when you also look look at Edmonton here, they have two games in hand against uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles, the the Kings, they've played 70 games, and they are three points ahead of Edmonton with two games um, behind Edmonton would have to win both the games in hand in order to pass them in the standings. So, and and that's obviously not factoring the games that Edmonton could possibly lose while Los Angeles wins. So there's still a chance that Los Angeles stays in that second uh, Pacific spot. And again, there's even a chance that Vegas could make that third spot to make Edmonton a possible wild card. Um, And I think if Edmonton, if Edmonton is going to make the playoffs, looking at these standings, Andy, um, they are going to have to be a third spot in the Pacific because Nashville has 82 points, which is more than Edmonton and Dallas has 79, which is only two less. And Dallas has played two less games than Edmonton. So they have two games in hand on Edmonton and Nashville has 67. So they have a game in hand against Edmonton. So Dallas actually has three games Oh, on Edmonton. They have three games on yeah. Vegas. The thing is, is Vegas is not Vegas is basically out of a wild card at this point. As long as Dallas yeah. and Nashville yeah. stay on their game, the only way Vegas is going to make it is through the division. 
Right, and that, but that's what that's the point I'm making with Edmonton and Vegas. If they're if yeah. they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to get that third spot because they're not going to be a wild card team unless you know, Nashville okay. and Dallas start struggling. And so then it, there's going to, I mean, if you're listening to this and you want to watch something thrilling, if Vegas can get their act together, it's going to be an all-out slugfest to get to that division spot. Because wouldn't you rather play Los Angeles than? Colorado potentially or Calgary, Calgary. potentially. Yep. yep. You know. Yeah, and I mean Calgary has the second best. Just quickly looking at goal differentials in the West, they have sixty nine percent or not sixty nine percent. They have a, a sixty nine um, advantage, goal differential advantage. Nice. And Colorado has seventy two plus seventy two, and Calgary's plus sixty nine. So those are teams that. Um, not only can score at high rates, but also be able to keep the puck out of their own net at a good rate as well. Whereas Edmonton and Vegas are sitting, not comfortably, but they're sitting relatively close to one another. Edmonton is a plus 18 in goal differential, where Vegas is a plus 13. So, which is, you know, when you look at that goal differential, it's kind of surprising, but then again, not surprising because again, the stories out of Edmonton are always how good Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is. And if you listen to that and you, and you, you feed into that, you would be thinking like Edmonton is just a powerhouse offensively, but a plus 18 goal differential, that's not a powerhouse. So it's continuing to show it's like, it's showing an underlying problem in the fact that they have a a lack of secondary scoring. Um, Because for the longest time, as, as far as I know, since Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have been um, a part of Edmonton and a part of their core, they have yet to find secondary scoring that they, that can help the two of them. Um, if if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, you know, obviously there's many factors I can bring up, but I'll just bring up two. If they were injured for long term, or if they just could, if they weren't scoring at a 100 a point plus game or not plus game and plus a season pace like they usually do uh, this, this Edmonton team probably wouldn't even make the playoffs because of the lack of secondary scoring. Um, so it, it, it's a little difficult to look at Edmonton and see them as a, a, a contender, but you know, to your point, if they can get consistent goaltending in, in the playoffs, um, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, though they, seem to be the only ones scoring in Edmonton are still allowing Edmonton to fight for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, so it's, it's crazy to me that they're in this position and it's, it's, it's crazy to me that they only have a plus 18 goal differential, but I, I, it kind of shows two underlying problems to me because I do want to get into the goaltending with Edmonton. I don't think they're great. I was just in, about to say, yeah, I don't think they're great uh, in that department. Playoff success is going to come down to goaltending this year, especially if Dreisaitl and McDavid are, are held back with stuff. I mean, you're really going to have to rely on that goaltending if they're struggling. To your point, the, the depth scoring needs to be brought back. Yeah. Uh, it's, but again, like, you know, the, every year you hear how great Connor McDavid and how great Leon Dreisaitl is. I totally get it. But, a plus 18 goal differential is that's alarming 
that's alarming with guys who can consistently get 100 plus points per season. It's nuts to me. Um, it actually, I'm just going to quickly look at Edmonton's like stats player wise, just to see, you know, besides those two guys, who the hell is the closest to their point leaders? Oh my, dude, this is nuts. So I just looked it up. Connor McDavid obviously has a hundred points in 67 games. He's got 37 goals, 63 assists. Uh, Leon Dreisel actually didn't hit the, uh, 50 goal mark. So I, I take that back. He's hit, he has 50, he has 49. It's just a goal away from it. So he's likely to hit it. So he has 49 goals, 48 uh, assists for 97 points. And the third place, third place for points is Zach Hyman with 45. If you doubled his points, he still wouldn't even be second. Um, because he would only have 90, whereas Leon Dreisel has 97. And that's the alarming part that I'm talking about. You can't have a gap like that between second and third on your uh, on your score sheet with your players because you're not just – you You can't f- find success like that. You're not going to be able to find success in the playoffs if only two guys are pulling all their weight. Meanwhile, the next best guy doesn't even have half of the points that uh, Leon Dreisel Cycle who's in second place is making. But um but yeah, it's it, it is alarming to me. Um and Zach Hyman is not a bad player. He's got twenty two goals and twenty three assists. Uh he's pretty balanced in his um in his uh statistics. Um you know twenty two goals is a lot to give but for to have 22 goals and be the third top scorer on your team. Uh, meanwhile, Leon Dreisaitl has 49 and Connor McDavid has 37. You know, that gap is very, very alarming. Um, I know I keep saying alarming, but, you know, it's it's. I, I say it because if they want to have playoff success, you know, you, you got to have more scoring than that. Uh, looking at their goal leaders, again, I'm seeing a huge gap as well. Um, because Leon Dreisaitl leads with 49, Connor McDavid has 37, Zach Hyman 22, Yamamoto has 18, Evander Kane 15. Um, and, and, you know, looking at Evander Kane's stats, 29 games played, 15 goals, 8 assists for 23 points. Um, that That is good to see. It's good to see for sure. Um, I know when he was signed, people were very skeptical. People were very, you know, confused and just appalled by uh, Ken Holland signing him. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, it was a very low risk, high reward desperate at the time. Times call um, for desperate measures. <laughs> that, that's ex- exactly it. Yeah. I mean, Evander Kane, I, I don't even know if he's making a million dollars. I'm pretty sure he's making league minimum. And I, thought I mean, so, yeah. shit, that's, that, that's not, that's, uh, not bad stats for a guy. I mean, he's almost a point per game player. You know, you'd take that at any time. Um, but again, the gap between second and third and, you know, from third and on, it's, it just gets worse and worse. And, uh, have they you, know, you want to make sure that they've been get... dealing with injuries at all this year. Looking at, uh, games played, it appears to, I believe they have 69 games played. 
sorry, 68. 68. So they have 68. Um, not really. Uh, Pujarvi's uh, missed 14 games. He's only played 54. Uh, Nugent Hopkins has only played 49. So I believe an injury was uh, a part of that. And then, you know, speaking of Darnell Nurse, we, we, we mentioned him earlier in the podcast. He's got seven goals, 22 assists for 29 points. I mean, you want to see more from that guy, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to pay him uh, almost $10 million. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Berry, who was brought in from Toronto, uh, who was expected to kind of take Darnell Nurse's, uh, not position, but kind of make like a 1A, 1B sort of uh, defenseman where you almost have two number ones. Mm-hmm. He's only ha- He only has 31 points. So he's, he's outscoring Darnell Nurse by two points in two less games played. So, you know, again, Probably it's less ice time, too. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Let me um, if I can scroll. See I, you know time. what you bringing up? Evander Kane kind of brought my mind to a new place that he, we did touch on depth scoring, depth point production. And he came into the game late for Edmonton. So, I mean, definitely mm-hmm. there might there's there's some depth added there with Kane, regardless of your opinion of the guy. He's fast. He's a heavy player, yep. and and he's not a, you know, he's he's an not in your face to, kind of player. Exactly, he's not afraid to get in your face. And when the playoffs come, that's what you need, baby, because you got to start swinging mm-hmm. momentum. I mean, he'll be that Marshawn for you, but he's two times the size as Marshawn and can stick up for himself and start some of his own stuff or cover some of right. his own guys. I I kind of look, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to them moving into the postseason. Because if I'm Evander Kane, hopefully that guy behind closed doors is doing stuff to better himself, to better his mental state. And if he is, man, if they make the playoffs, this is one hell of an opportunity for him to put this team on his shoulders, to put this run on his shoulders, take that leadership stance. I mean, I know McDavid is, is the captain there, but Kane has much more experience. Um not really any success to show for it but his him and, and his sharks have made it more consistently to the playoffs and probably further at some point or another uh throughout time so if that you know if if that whole weather storm that i just explained culminates evander kane could be a really fun player to watch this postseason as well as the edmonton oilers you could get a lot out of yeah. that guy. That guy has a lot of energy to give. And if guys latch on to that and they start matching that, who knows what he could generate for the team, for the goaltending department, and subsequently for the postseason. Yep. I'm kind of excited there. Yeah. But I didn't mean to butt in there. I'll, I'll let you get back to no, the Darnell. No, no, you're absolutely good. It, totally fine because it's it's a good um, – it was a good segue into uh, into Evander Kane. I, I I kind of forget that he was even an Edmonton Oiler. So um, looking up his contract, I was wrong. He doesn't make league minimum. He actually makes $2.1 million, uh, and it's only for this uh, season. So he'll be a UFA after this. So it's even a better point by you that you bring up. Um, it's going to be a, a not a quote-unquote career year for Ed, uh, Vander Kane. But I, I use the term career year because whenever you're in the 
the last year of a contract, you always want to have your best year. So that way, when you go into the extension talks or possibly go to the open market, you obviously want to make sure that you have, um, you know, good stats to show that you earn the money that you're looking to get. Um, and not that Evander Kane is at that point in his career. I think a lot of GMs in the league might be a little afraid to pay him, uh, you know, extra or be able to pay him what he wants. But this is definitely going to be a career year in the sense that this school, this could absolutely segue him into possibly just being back in the NHL more at a full-time basis. Um, you know, when he was with the Sharks, the whole gambling situation happened. You know, his personal life was brought into it. And I feel like he can use this season and how he's doing, especially if they make the playoffs and he performs well in the playoffs, to kind of show the league that, you know, yeah, in the past, um, I've shown I've not been a great player off the ice. I've even shown that I'm not a great player on the ice. But, you know, going forward from here on out, my focus is hockey. And my focus is, like you mentioned, bettering him, especially mentally. And um, just with the whole gambling as well, uh, you know, whether that was true or not, it's it's still on him uh, and it's still a, a, a on his quote-unquote records. So, Again, it'll be a big year for Evander Kane, and it will be fun to watch them in the playoffs. Um, and then I, I do want to get into um, speaking about Edmonton in the playoffs because uh, you mentioned it earlier, Andy, that um, I, I had a point that I was going to bring up about Edmonton that we we're going to talk about later, and I'll bring it up here now because you know we we are very close to the to the start of the postseason. Most teams are within. 12 to 15 games away from ending their regular season and starting the postseason. Um, and I guess I'll start with, by saying, I think that the Edmonton Oilers, at least in my opinion, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for them to prove me wrong and I'd be happy to prove me, prove them. Uh, I'd be there happy to have them prove me wrong, but the Edmonton Oilers in my eyes are the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs of the West. Hot take. <laughs> which which is a hot take it's a hot take because edmonton has seen, i think it's uh, spot on past dude. playoff success they, they have seen uh playoff success and i'll go back to 2017 um when they made it all the way to uh i i think it was the second round i don't, don't think they made the conference finals that year but uh they were playing the ducks and this was the Oh man, what what season was this? This was when the I think it was Game Seven. This was where the Ducks, with oh my gosh, like a, like a minute and a half or two minutes left, are down by three goals. They pull their goalie. Uh, they score three quick goals to tie the game, and then in overtime of that game, and like I said, it's a Game Seven. I could be wrong, but it was the famous incident of when I would say that, that goaltender interference started to really heat up. And, you know, fans, GMs, and the league itself was really pushing for the NHL to do something and define goaltender interference. Because this was, was when Ryan Kessler, there was, a, there was a big scrum in front of the net. Uh, and on, I think it was Cam Talbot, the Ducks are, you know, everyone's just piling in front. It's one of those just free-for-alls. There's a loose puck and every, everybody's just diving on it. And people are mosh falling. Yeah. People are swinging at it with their sticks. It's just a complete mosh pit. And uh, Ryan Kessler was one of the players who fell on top of Cam Talbot. The puck is pretty much sitting right in front of Talbot. 
and Talbot's trying to move and, and dive on it, but he can't because Ryan Kessler grabs his left leg, I believe, and it obviously didn't allow Tam, Cam Talbot to move laterally at all because, you know, there's a guy on his leg just holding it. The puck goes through his five hole because he's trying to move, but because one leg is still and the other one's moving, it opens your five hole. That's just natural. And it goes right in and they win the game and they move on, I think, to the conference finals. Yeah, because that's when they played. Uh, yes, I was right. So this is when the Ducks moved on to play the Predators in the conference finals that year. So I was right. This was the semifinals. It was not the conference finals. Um, and everybody, like people were flipping out. Edmonton Oilers fans were blowing up. They were saying, how can you not call that goaltender interference? I do want to say that that was reviewed by the league, and they um, they still stood by the original call of a goal. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think that sparked the whole goaltender interference. What is it? You know, we got to do something about it. There's got to be rules set in place, you know, more than just, you know, if a player brushes into a goalie, it's goaltender interference. It needed to be fined more sophisticatedly. Um, and I, I believe since then, you know, Edmonton's been very, very quiet in the playoffs. Um, the, the fact that the play-in rounds when they played Chicago, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Ann, but I was telling most people that I knew Chicago was going to beat them in the playoff, the play-in rounds. And everyone was kind of telling me, like, there's no way Chicago beats them in the playing rounds that's just not happening Edmonton's really hot right now and they ended up losing in four games against uh the Blackhawks uh the, and this was during the first COVID season when they had the shortened seasons happened and they were trying to figure out how to do yeah. the bubble situation all that um and and they, they lost the playing rounds to a Chicago team who only made it there because they were I think 24th no that was that was Montreal they were like the 22nd team in the, in the overall standings and they beat a team that was you know miles ahead of them in the standings um so to me they're the Leafs of the uh of the West because they 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 haven't had much playoff success they have they have a good core not as they don't have the big four that Toronto does but they have a big two and they have probably the best big two in the league and Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and to have no yeah, playoff it, success I mean, at it, all. It rivals, it rivals the glory days of the Malkin Crosby combo or the Kane yes. Caves combo. The, the, the glory days of those two combos really it does. Yeah. And, and I, what was also good. The only quick point I was going to make is, it's funny to compare them to the Leafs because that same bubble season in the postseason when the play on the play in rounds had to happen, Toronto lost to Columbus in the play in rounds that everybody was saying, Oh yeah, Toronto was going to beat Columbus. They're going to beat up on Columbus and Columbus ended up beating them. So it's funny how, you know, a majority of fans, a majority of, of, I wouldn't call them experts, but analysts expected, you know, Edmonton and Toronto to move on and they didn't, you know, so it's kind of like a, ironic you know that both teams were eliminated in the playing rounds when they were supposed to be favorite. yeah exactly. yep now nah, that's one of my favorite takes uh you came up with that one a couple months ago i feel now but um yeah i mean both of those teams are going to be good teams to watch this postseason 
you and I have talked about it at length, and I and I think you and I both agree that Carolina is the most needs to win this year to prove something. But you look over at you know Edmonton and you look at Toronto. I feel like both of those teams are are the most. You guys got to do at least something in the playoff. You got to do something that gets somebody talking about you and not in the way that it's been happening thus far. You know, we don't, we don't want another meme season. We don't need any more memes of the Maple Leafs not making it out of the first round. Um, while it's hilarious and it's fun, it gets old. I mean, and with the McDavid or not McDavid, the Matthews, the Marner, um, with the other contracts, Nylander and uh, so Nylander, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares. Tavares, that's Those right. How can I forget? Yeah. Yeah. He's honestly, real quick on that note, he's been a very forgettable guy in Toronto, and he's their captain. I, not to yeah. say that he's like not talented. <laughs> it's just the 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 media. No one's talking media about him anymore. Exactly. They always talk about Marner, Matthews, what they're doing. Never Tavares. But uh, hard to cut in there. I, I just had to get that out there. Nah, it's true, man. It, it, it's so true. Like, it, I, I sort of in this episode, I have been critiquing Edmonton's salary decisions in my in my mind, especially with that Darnell Nurse. I didn't realize he got, I didn't realize they gave him nine. And like you said, the length of time that they're giving him nine is 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 another issue that we could talk about in and of itself, but the champion of mismanaging your salary cap right now is Toronto. Um, four guys, I think, locked down almost half of it. Uh, and two of them, uh, I think, are locking down a fifth of it. So, yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it's tough. Like, I mean, it's awesome to see these guys like McDavid and Matthews. It's so flipping cool to see them come through the league to develop um, you know, prior to that, when hot shots came into the league, like Crosby, like Ovechkin, um, you and I, you especially, but I was much younger. I didn't know nearly as much about the game as I do now. And I didn't really watch those players in the same capacity that I can watch these other guys that are now coming through the league. Um, and McDavid is a guy that he puts up the numbers to be talked about as one of the best players in the league. but. I don't know how there isn't more of this either in other leagues, but at what point do you start saying, okay, I have the financial success. I, I have all of that. Now I really want some hard, right, hardware and I want to work with my team on my salary and give them a better offer so that they can take money and move it elsewhere and get something else to help me out. Um, I don't know when those salary talks happen again for McDavid and Dreisaitl, but if, if this struggle with postseason success continues and they get to those talks again, um, I'd, I'd hope at that point, you know, especially McDavid, because he, I think he's, is he still the highest paid in the league? Uh, from I what I is. know, yes, I believe so. So, you know, if, if he gets back to the table and there still hasn't been a banner of any kind raised, conference or or stanley cup um or even presidents you know i I guess i guess i don't think he's won a president's trophy yet as an oiler so Uh, if if i I don't believe they have okay 
So if 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 enough seasons go by and his contract is now coming up and the talks are now coming up, you know, is it at that point do you say to yourself, man, I got the talent. The talent's not going anywhere. I got the money. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need any more. What we need is X. What we need is a goalie. What we need is depth. And and how can I be an asset yeah. to my front office in achieving that? Um, yeah. Because it's not it's not working. I mean, it's high flying and it's fast and it's like Cirque du Soleil throughout the regular season. Watching McDry and McDavid McDrysail, watching McDavid and and Drysail going back. Honest, and forth. Honestly, and really, yeah, honestly, and though that that's like a perfect uh, slip up is McDrysail because <laughs> you, when you're talking about the Edmonton Oilers. You are only talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl, so why not just combine them and, and make it easier for people to just say the Edmonton McDreisaitls? Yeah. We got to send know. that but, one into uh, uh, really, Liam McHugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for uh, NHL on TNT. I did just want to quickly get into the um, their playoffs a little bit more, just in depth, because uh, I only brought up two years. Uh, but 2017, like I said, they were eliminated by the Ducks in the second round. Uh, I said 2017, right? Um, the next season, 2018, they missed the playoffs. Um, and then real quickly, I believe uh, the next season they did make the playoffs, but they were either a first or a second round exit again. Um, let me just quickly check that. Uh, nope, they, they oh, okay, so in 2019, they also didn't make the playoffs. So again, the at this point in mcdavid's career he's only made the playoffs once and it was 2017 and then when you go to 2020 uh, obviously the bubble the playing round they didn't make the playoffs and to anybody out there who's like oh well the playing rounds were the playoffs it's kind of like saying the wild card games and the mlb are the postseason it's like a gray area where yeah it's the postseason because the regular season's done but it's almost like the wildcard games are just the tiebreakers, quote unquote, for the regular season to send these teams into the playoffs. That's how I viewed them. And that's how I viewed the play-ins. I've never had the, um, I've never had the assumption that a team in the play-in rounds were a playoff team. Because unless you're the 16 teams that make it uh, and play in the first round of the Stanley cup playoffs, to me, you're not a, a playoff team. So I'll get that squared away. But I, I mean, again, it's the postseason technically. So that's why I threw it in there for uh, playoffs success um, because they didn't have, if you're going to count it as the playoffs, they did not have much of a playoff success there. So, um, and then to wrap it up, uh, when, you know, the 2021 season happened and they had a, not a similar bubble, but they had a, a bubble like postseason again this was the season that they got swept in the first round by winnipeg so you know they they have not had much success in the playoffs since 2017 um you know two occasions they lost in quote unquote the first round um and then another the two other occasions they didn't even make the playoffs so you know it's to me and to your point you know, the McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the talent's going nowhere. They're going nowhere. But, you know, at what point do they start looking for hardware? Um, and, and those two guys do have hardware. They have hard trophies and they have, um, 
I don't know if any of them have Rocket Richard trophies, but you know that they have uh, trophies. So, uh, but obviously the, the most sought out after one is the Stanley Cup. And I've always said personally that at some point McDavid is going to be tired of sticking with the Edmonton Oilers, and um, he, he's going to want to look to to ring chase. You know, we, you see it in basketball all the time, and the perfect example of that is Kevin Durant. You know, um, he, he did ring. He did win two rings with the Golden State Warriors, but then after that, he went to other teams to try and find a way to win another ring. And, you know, now he's a Brooklyn Net, and the Brooklyn Nets are, are likely to be a, a play-in team to make the playoffs. So, again, it's, it's almost similar to that, where you have the talent, but you're just so tired of losing that you just want to go after championships at this point, especially late in their careers. KD's been in the league for a while, and... McDavid obviously hasn't been in the league for as long as KD has in basketball, but you know, he's getting to that point where he's almost been in the league for 10 years and he doesn't even have, you know, more than say 20 playoff games to show for it. Um, you know, so if, if you're going to be right. up there with the likelihood of, you know, Gretzky and Sidney Crosby, you got to have playoff success as well. And, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, th this is why, and I'll, I'll throw it in there, and it's not really related to the Edmonton Oilers as a whole, but, you know, th this is why I would just pick Sidney Crosby over McDavid. I, I know that Sidney Crosby's not scoring at the pace uh, that McDavid has been throughout his whole career, but, you know, at, at least Crosby has the playoff success to do so. And to your point, um, McDavid might be looking to, you know, start changing within. He'll, he might stay with the Oilers, but start right. changing within so they make the playoffs. That's what Sidney Crosby did. Sidney Crosby won a, a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2009. His next Stanley Cup win was 2016. You know, he could have easily. And look what they're doing right now. Went to another team. Yeah. I'll, I'll actually say this on the podcast right now. I, oh, shit. I'm telling you, I've been telling some of my friends. I am not sold on Tampa. I am not sold on Carolina. I'm not sold on Florida and I'm not sold on Colorado to win the Stanley cup. Those are like the top four teams in the league right yeah. now that are, you know, I'd say cup favorites. I I'm not sold on any of them. Uh, um, but I'm, I'm sold on who is Pittsburgh, your favorite. And it's, it's my favorite is Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh okay. is going to win the cup. It, it's a, it's a very bold. It, it's another hot take by me. Uh, um, Makes sense because I haven't haven't been on the podcast a lot, so might as well throw my hot takes out there. <laughs> you gotta but, get. But I there, seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta 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 ruffle the feathers, you know. But I, I seriously believe that, and it's it's ironic coming from me because I said that Pittsburgh had the worst trade deadline. I thought only picking up Ricard Raquel, and they got other players as well, but that was their main uh, acquisition acquisition for the right. deadline. You know, I was like. I think getting a goaltender would have been nice. Um, call me crazy, but I think I, I think going out and getting Flurry, fuck it, I would have done that. You know, bring Flurry back to Pittsburgh and and hopefully he can you know win you at least relieve Jari because DeSmith has not been the answer for the backup. Um, so you know it's it it's it, it's a hot take for sure, but I, I do think that Pittsburgh has the capabilities of being a a a cup favorite that no one's talking about. I mean, for God's sakes, 
I swear to God, every day I wake up and I'm like, Jeff Carter is a Pittsburgh Penguin, and it, it just blows yeah. my mind. You know, and, and you got to you got to remind yourself every day that he's a Pittsburgh Penguin because he he'd been a king for his whole career pretty much up until last year, and he's won two cups with the Kings as well. So he's bringing in, you know, just more playoff experience to a, a Pittsburgh Penguins roster that has numerous a lot. Um, yeah, already a lot. You know, Chris Letang, Kenny Malkin, Sidney Crosby. Um, you know, and now you're having more uh, veteran guys who are bringing that experience um, uh, to the team. And like I said, my, my only concern with them would be goaltending because they just didn't go out and get Flurry. Uh, you know, Flurry only cost it a second rounder. I, I, I know that maybe he didn't want to go to Pittsburgh and maybe there were specifics and, you know, since – Vegas didn't protect him in the draft or since Pittsburgh didn't protect him in the Vegas draft, he may have, you know, eerie feelings about the organization, but you know, I would have been, I would have been on the phone with Chicago if I was Pittsburgh, just asking, you know, would flurry like to, to speak with, uh, you know, management, but I was kind of hoping that Carolina was going to take a stab at flurry, man. I was, there there, wasn't much, Go ahead. You can go ahead. You can go ahead. I, I, I'll bring up a point. It's possible you're, you're going to say what I'm going to say. So I'll oh, let okay. you finish. There wasn't much that was that, like Carolina, I, especially around the trade deadline, I didn't hear much. I hardly heard any opinions or thoughts, talks, et cetera, coming down from the organization. And the, the Max Domi thing even happened in like the last half an hour or an hour of the deadline. Uh, the the game after the home game after that trade uh, during the intermission interview one day they had they had Waddell down to talk about that and he shared that at like two thirty is when he got the call about that and and you know the talk started being made and I was like really hopeful I, I wasn't so the the Domi pickup I was I was content over I, I don't think it's anything to bat an eye about yet. I don't think it's a negative, truly, especially after hearing the interview that he gave. Um, some of the reasons that Waddell shared in that decision to be made for him um, made sense to me, and I could get behind them. But like I was just holding out against all hope for Flurry, and I and I know that that's bizarre, probably for a lot of people to hear, especially if you look at Anderson's statistics this season. He's playing on a Vesna Trophy level. And, you know, honestly, at this moment in time, it makes sense that we didn't go after Fleury. You want Anderson to, to basically not be impacted right now. He, you right. Know, he's your goalie. You need this, the ship to just basically keep sailing at this point. Don't knock him off his course. But I just thought mm-hmm. Fleury yeah. would have been, like, the best not safety net, but plan B to have ready to go at any point during the postseason. Yeah. And, and, and you didn't mention the point that I was going to mention, but I'm glad that you, you brought those up, especially with Carolina. Um, he, I was, I was actually on money puck today and he replaced Igor Shesterkin for the best goaltender in the league with his current stats. Um, so it's a toss up between the two of them, honestly, for Vesna. 
I could see it going either way. Um, both are having seasons unlike any other, especially Sisterkin. But um, the, the point I was going to make was actually, I am surprised that the Wild ended up with Flurry um, because I'm looking at, uh, I look at these teams um, that are favorites, like the uh, Florida Panthers, for example. And Sergei Bobrovsky is number four on the top goaltenders in the league list. But their backup in Spencer Knight is he is not it. Um, I was watching highlights of the Rangers versus Panthers game that I want to say was earlier in the week. I forget the date, so I, I apologize. But I was watching those highlights, and the goals he let in were very they, – they weren't fluky in the sense that it's it was bad. It's just you can tell he's he's – uncomfortable in the net and he may not know where his posts are all the time. So again, getting a backup uh, for, for, for Florida, for Bobrovsky, again, I don't know why they didn't go after um, flurry, especially because it was, he was traded up for us, a, a conditional second round pick and the condition on that pick, if I'm not mistaken, is if the wild make it to the conference finals um, then they then it would become a first rounder, but I don't see that happening. So I, it, you can basically say that Flurry was traded straight up for a second round pick. I also look at another team like um, oh, who is it? Oh, the Rangers. Yeah. So speaking of Shesterkin, as great as he's been, Georgiev has been the complete opposite. Georgiev has been terrible in his last two outings he they've won both games but he's given up four and five goals in the in that span so in just two games he's given up nine goals which is not great for a backup you know a backup is is a backup for a reason they're to give the starter a rest and to guarantee that you give your your give your team a chance to win and again for just a conditional second round pick i'm surprised you know uh, the Rangers didn't go after Flurry. The only thing I could imagine they didn't do that was because of uh, the cap restriction. I'm almost certain that New York is at their limit with uh, their salary cap. So uh, that that's the only reason why I think that New York didn't go after Flurry. But I mean, just some of these teams I'm looking at, you know, why didn't think, they go after Flurry? I think for the most part, it was cap issues because I. Right. I could be wrong. I thought when I checked, I thought his his cap hit was somewhere in like the seven million range. And I mean, I know for like yeah. Carolina, that's an immediate issue. I mean, Max Domi himself was we, we only retained a quarter of Max Domi's salary and we had to get Florida involved in that trade to make it happen because they had to retain some of his salary uh, as well. OK. And so I gotcha. imagine that. That is probably what it was. I I bet that Chicago wanted to deal with just one. Chicago might have wanted to deal with just one organization with him. Um, and that just unfortunately limits the possibilities probably. Or it would force yeah. Chicago to have to retain a lot of salary, which would then that they force the other team's hand to be like, here's a handful or a couple handfuls of draft picks kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just looked up the Rangers cap space. They have about 4.5 million uh, in cap space. So I'm going to quickly look up Marc-Andre Fleury's uh, cap space. 
And then after this point, I think I'm just going to wrap it up here, Ann. But uh, just not get too off topic from uh, the Edmonton Oilers spotlight. Oh, true. But uh, true. I, I don't want the takeaway. You know, while I look up uh, Mark Andre's Fleury's contract, I'll say this. I, I don't want the takeaway to be that, um, in my eyes, the Edmonton Oilers are just the Leafs of the West. Because I think of either teams, uh, the Leafs are, or, sorry, the Edmonton Oilers are the ones that are probably going to break out of that sort of comparison in my eyes than the Leafs are. Cause I, th- I think that they are capable of doing more than the Leafs uh, and they've proven. So even though their playoff history hasn't been great, they at least have more recent success uh, than Toronto has. So uh, I just don't want the takeaway to be, Oh, Nick just thinks that, you know, Edmonton's the, the Leafs of the West and they're just going to yeah. be stuck being them. Um, but because I don't think that that's who the Edmonton Oilers are. I, I think the Edmonton Oilers. If if that's Edmonton, what you don't want to leave it with. I would say let's leave it with Edmonton as the loose cannon. And if they can put something, yeah. if they can put a yeah. plan together that can set, you know, that can get them through a series, one series at a time. I think they'll be OK, but it's going to really, yep. really come down to their coaching because they are going to struggle in this postseason. It's a fact because you are going to smother McDavid. You are going to smother Dreisaitl. Sorry, you're going to smother Mick Dreisaitl. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and that is going to have its toll on your scoring production. The, the, the barrier that you need to break at that point to continue in that series is your mentality. You have to continue to recognize that your game plan will work what you're doing is a successful game plan. Let's not get away from that. Let's not get deterred from that. Let's not get blown out 3-0 in the first period and just play, you know, like it's a practice for the next two. It isn't right. like that anymore in the postseason. Yeah. And, and that one's going to come down to their coach, keeping all their heads on straight. And, and maybe even some of Evander Kane, because I can't think of, Oh, and Keith, Duncan Keith. It's going to come down to Duncan Keith and the coach, yep. rem- like keeping everybody. Don't worry. Don't get deterred. Short, yep. Short-term memories here. Short-term memories kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, I'll just quickly go into uh, the, the cap space that all the teams that I brought up had. Uh, so, like I said, you were right about Marc-Andre Fleury. He is $7 million. The Rangers were, of the three teams I looked up, they were the most likely to sort of, quote-unquote, land him, even though they didn't have the cap space to do so. They had around $5 million, uh in cap space to take on that contract. So in that trade, you know, they, they would have had to move players out. Um, with Florida, they're almost nearly, they had like $198,000 in cap space. So well, there was no way that they could have afforded him unless they got rid of some big contracts. And with the core that they have mm-hmm. right now, they're like an all-in team in my eyes, so that wasn't likely to happen. And then Pittsburgh has zero um, in cap space, so uh, the only way that they could have acquired Flurry is if they gave away players rather than a second-round pick. Um, but yeah, overall, um, you know, it's 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 just really important. I, I don't know if this is a, a do-or-die year for Ed, the Edmonton Oilers, but um, at least for me, I just want to see more from them. You know, I, I want to see you know, more playoff success for them. Uh, Cause I, I think once they start having playoff success, it, it's going to sort it's going to help them with that uh, uh, short-term memory 
injury that they're having, you know, where they might get deterred too easily and it knocks them off their game. And then they don't want to play off, off series because McDavid's too frustrated and dry too frustrated to play. Um, I, I think if they can start having playoff success, even if it's just winning a round or two, it's baby steps into them and advancing and progressing towards uh, the ultimate goal of the Stanley Cup with those two guys. Um, because everybody knows that if they didn't have McDryseidel, they wouldn't be a playoff team in the slightest. So it, to your point, they are a loose cannon, but I think they're, if anything, uh, like I said, they're, they're going to be a team that's likely to break out of that shell of being an unsuccessful playoff team more so than Toronto is. You know, so that, that that's my final point. I know I compared the I two, but, you know, of the two, if I had a, you know, if I had to guess which one would break out of their shell first, it's going to be Edmonton because once they have that first playoff success, it's going to be huge for them. They're going to rally behind it. With Toronto, you know, it, it, it's just too much of the same, too much of, you know, the consistency that they have. Um, they've been through coaches, they've been through players, they've been through goaltenders, money and money. They've, they've, they've thrown everything at everybody. You know, they're, they were gung ho about the players they've signed. Um, has it shot them in the foot? It shot them in the foot, obviously, but, um, they're just not ready yet. I don't know if it's an experience with that team, but regardless, um, you know, I think the Edmonton Oilers have more of a chance to break their quote unquote um, playoff success inabilities uh, than Toronto. So uh, I'm really rooting for them and, and they have the, the players to do so. Uh, they, they just got to make sure that they keep winning games and, and they can't let Vegas catch up to them because if they do, right. um, they, they likely won't make that wild card spot. They're going to need to make a divisional spot if they make the playoffs. They still might make that wild card spot. It's just going to make what you just described so much more harder because you're going right. to have to you're going to have to break the seal essentially with a, someone like a Colorado likely, and that's right. just <laughs> that's quite a feat, you know. It, it and it's tough because I remember in our, our our preseason predictions we had Edmonton. I think you had them winning the Pacific Division, and I had them like second to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And it, it's crazy that Calgary and, and L.A. have showed up the way they've they've showed up. And, you know, it's something we actually didn't get to the podcast, but uh, yeah, I'll just quickly make the point here. Edmonton's success right now um, has been pondered by how successful L.A. and how successful Calgary has been. You know, it's a point we didn't make in, in the uh, podcast, but, you know, in going into the um, – earlier in the season when it was beginning, me and you didn't think that Calgary and LA were going to have seasons like they're having. Right. Um, you know, they, they did make acquisitions in the off season and they, they acquired people at the trade deadline, but we just didn't see them performing the way that they are. You know, that was unexpected from them. Uh, so that, that too has just affected Edmonton in a position where, you know, it, they, they need to make a divisional spot because if they're a wild card, then I'm, I might just be like, well, I don't see them beating Calgary and I don't see them beating Colorado. But, you know, I could see them possibly beating Vegas if, say, L.A. started to collapse. 
Um, I could see them beating Vegas. Could I see them beating LA? I could see that, but they they need I to make those divisions. I could even see them spots. beating Calgary. I could. I just it, it's not going to be to me the as a Cal, as an LA. Yeah, I see your point. Yeah, yeah, right. And um, with Calgary, they they have the better goaltending, um, and they don't have the the offensive powerhouse. Well, actually, they do have the offensive powerhouse. Their goal differential was sixty nine plus sixty nine. So. Nice. I, I actually would not. I would not. I would not be confident. Yeah, nice again. Double nice in this episode. <laughs> um, but I, I couldn't see them beating Calgary. So you know they, they need to make sure that they make that third divisional spot. If they don't, they're putting themselves behind the eight ball already in the playoffs, and that's not where they need to be. They need to start being ahead um, because you're right. That that that's where the problem lies. You know, you you, you got to make sure you, you you're putting yourself in a in a successful position. Mm-hmm. And, and being third in that division would uh, would allow them to do so. But without further ado, if you don't have anything else to say, Andy, uh, we'll wrap up the I'm episode here. Perfect. Uh, we'll we'll wrap up the episode here. Um, like I said, going forward, uh, you know, the semester is going to be a little bit busy for me, but I, I think I could manage doing some episodes. I'll definitely keep Andy in contact with that. Um, but you know, weekly supplements will keep coming from Andy, I'm, I'm assuming, and uh, you can rely on those for weekly listens. Um, but uh, yeah, without further ado, um, it's been nice talking to you. Haven't heard and, you know, uh, you haven't sure heard from have, me in man. a while. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been great. So uh, like always, enjoy the episode. We appreciate you listening and uh, peace out. Peace out.